Section 9 of Famous Adventures and Prison Escapes of the Civil War by Various. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Section 9 A Romance of Morgan's Rough Riders, Part 3. 3. The Escape by Thomas H. Hines. On the 31st of July and the 1st of August, 1863, General John H. Morgan, General Basil W. Duke, and 68 other officers of Morgan's command were, by order of General Burnside, confined in the Ohio State Penitentiary at Columbus. Before entering the main prison, we were searched and relieved of our pocket knives, money, and of all other articles of value, subjected to a bath, the shaving of our faces, and the cutting of our hair. We were placed each in a separate cell in the first and second tiers on the south side of the east wing of the prison. General Morgan and General Duke were on the second range, General Morgan being confined in the last cell at the east end, those who escaped with General Morgan having their cells in the first range. From five o'clock in the evening until seven o'clock in the morning, we were locked into our cells with no possible means of communication with one another. But in the day between these hours, we were permitted to mingle together in the narrow hall, twelve feet wide and one hundred and sixty long, which was cut off from the other portion of the building occupied by the convicts by a plank partition, in one end of which was a wooden door at each end of the hall and within the partitions was an armed military sentinel while the civil guards of the prison passed at irregular intervals among us and very frequently the warden or his deputy came through in order to see that we were secure and not violating the prison rules we were not permitted to talk with or in any way to communicate with the convicts nor were we permitted to see any of our relatives or friends that might come from a distance to see us except upon the written order of general burnside and then only in the presence of a guard our correspondence underwent the censorship of the warden we receiving and he sending only such as met his approbation we were not permitted to have newspapers or to receive information of what was going on in the outside busy world many plans for escape ingenious and desperate were suggested discussed and rejected because deemed impractical among them was bribery of the guards this was thought not feasible because of the double set of guards military and civil who were jealous and watchful of each other so that it was never attempted although we could have commanded through our friends in kentucky and elsewhere an almost unlimited amount of money on a morning in the last days of october i was rudely treated without cause by the deputy warden there was no means of redress and it was not wise to seek relief by retort since i knew from the experience of my comrades that it would result in my confinement in a dark dungeon with bread and water for diet i retired to my cell and closed the door with the determination that i would neither eat nor sleep until i had devised some means of escape i ate nothing and drank nothing during the day and by nine o'clock i had matured the plan that we carried into execution it may be that i owed something to the fact that i had just completed the reading of victor hugo's les miserables containing such vivid delineations of the wonderful escapes of jean valjean and of the subterranean passages of the city of paris this may have led me to the line of thought that terminated in the plan of escape adopted it was this 
i had observed that the floor of my cell was upon a level with the ground upon the outside of the building which was low and flat and also that the floor of the cell was perfectly dry and free from mould it occurred to me that as the rear of the cell was to a great extent excluded from the light and air this dryness and freedom from mould could not exist unless there was underneath something in the nature of an air chamber to prevent the dampness from rising up the walls and through the floor if this chamber could be found to exist and could be reached a tunnel might be run through the foundations into the yard from which we might escape by scaling the outer wall the air chamber furnishing a receptacle for the earth and stone to be taken out in running the tunnel the next morning when our cells were unlocked and we were permitted to assemble in the hall i went to general morgan's cell he having been for several days quite unwell and laid before him the plan as i have sketched it its feasibility appeared to him unquestioned and to it he gave a hearty and unqualified approval if then our supposition was correct as to the existence of the air chamber beneath the lower range of cells a limited number of those occupying that range could escape and only a limited number because the greater the number the longer the time required to complete the work and the greater the danger of discovery while prosecuting it in making our way over the outer wall and in escaping afterward with these considerations in view general morgan and myself agreed upon the following officers whose cells were nearest the point at which the tunnel was to begin to join us in the enterprise captain j c bennett captain l d hawkersmith captain c s mcgee captain ralph sheldon and captain samuel b taylor the plan was then laid before these gentlemen and received their approval it was agreed that work should begin in my cell and continue from there until completed in order however to do this without detection it was necessary that some means should be found to prevent the daily inspection of that cell it being the custom of the deputy warden with the guards to visit and have each cell swept every morning this end was accomplished by my obtaining permission from the warden to furnish a broom and sweep my own cell for a few mornings thereafter the deputy warden would pass glance into my cell compliment me on its neatness and go on to the inspection of the other cells after a few days my cell was allowed to go without any inspection whatever and then we were ready to begin work having obtained through some of our associates who had been sent to the hospital some table knives made of flat steel files in my cell as in the others there was a narrow iron cot which could be folded and propped up to the cell wall i thought the work would be completed within a month on the fourth of november work was begun in the back part of my cell under the rear end of my cot we cut through six inches of cement and took out six layers of brick put in and cemented with the ends up here we came to the air chamber as i had calculated and found it six feet wide by four feet high and running the entire length of the range of cells the cement and brick taken out in effecting an entrance to the chamber were placed in my bed tick upon which i slept during the progress of this portion of the work after which the material was removed to the chamber we found the chamber heavily grated at the end against which a large quantity of coal had been heaped cutting off any chance of exit in that way 
we then began a tunnel running it at right angles from the side of the chamber and almost directly beneath my cell we cut through the foundation wall five feet thick of the cell block through twelve feet of grouting to the outer wall of the east wing of the prison through this wall six feet in thickness and four feet up near the surface of the yard in an unfrequented place between this wing and the female department of the prison during the progress of the work in which we were greatly assisted by several of our comrades who were not to go out notably among them captain thomas w bullet of louisville kentucky i sat at the entrance to my cell studiously engaged in gibbon's rome and in trying to master french by this device i was enabled to be constantly on guard without being suspected as i had pursued the same course during the whole period of my imprisonment those who did the work were relieved every hour this was accomplished and the danger of the guards overhearing the work as they passed obviated by adopting a system of signals which consisted in giving taps on the floor over the chamber one knock was to suspend work two to proceed and three to come out on one occasion by oversight we came near being discovered the prisoners were taken out to their meals by ranges and on this day those confined in the first range were called for dinner while captain hockersmith was in the tunnel the deputy warden on calling the roll missed hockersmith and came back to inquire for him general morgan engaged the attention of the warden by asking his opinion as to the propriety of a remonstrance that the general had prepared to be sent to general burnside flattered by the deference shown to his opinion by general morgan the warden unwittingly gave captain hockersmith time to get out and fall into line for dinner while the tunnel was being run colonel r c morgan a brother of general morgan made a rope in lengths of bed ticking thirty-five feet in length and from the iron poker of the hall stove we made a hook in the nature of a grappling iron to attach to the end of the rope the work was now complete with the exception of making an entrance from each of the cells of those who were to go out this could be done with safety only by working from the chamber upward as the cells were daily inspected the difficulty presented in doing this was the fact that we did not know at what point to begin in order to open the holes in the cells at the proper place to accomplish this a measurement was necessary but we had nothing to measure with fortunately the deputy warden again ignorantly aided us i got into a discussion with him as to the length of the hall and to convince me of my error he sent for his measuring line and after the hall had been measured and his statement verified general morgan occupied his attention while i took the line measured the distance from centre to centre of the cells all being of uniform size and marked it upon the stick used in my cell for propping up my cot with this stick measuring from the middle of the hole in my cell the proper distance was marked off in the chamber for the holes in the other cells the chamber was quite dark and light being necessary for the work we had obtained candles and matches through our sick comrades in the hospital the hole in my cell during the progress of the work was well covered with a large hand satchel containing my change of clothing we cut from underneath upward until there was only a thin crust of the cement left in each of the cells 
money was necessary to pay expenses of transportation and for other contingencies as they might arise general morgan had some money that the search had not discovered but it was not enough shortly after we began work i wrote to my sister in kentucky a letter which through a trusted convict i sent out and mailed requesting her to go to my library and get certain books and in the back of a designated one which she was to open with a thin knife place a certain amount of federal money repaste the back write my name across the inside of the back where the money was concealed and send the box by express in due course of time the books with the money came to hand it only remained now to get information as to the time of the running of the trains and to await a cloudy night as it was then full moon our trusty convict was again found useful he was quite an old man called heavy had been in the penitentiary for many years and as he had been so faithful and his time having almost expired he was permitted to go on errands for the officials to the city i gave him ten dollars to bring us a daily paper and six ounces of french brandy neither he nor any one within the prison or on the outside had any intimation of our contemplated escape it was our first thought to make our way to the confederacy by way of canada but on inspecting the timetable in the paper it was seen that a knowledge of the escape would necessarily come to the prison officials before we could reach the canadian border there was nothing left then but to take the train south which we found if on time would reach cincinnati ohio before the cells were opened in the morning at which time we expected our absence to be discovered one thing more remained to be done and that was to ascertain the easiest and safest place at which to scale the outside wall of the prison the windows opening outward were so high that we could not see the wall in the hall was a ladder resting against the wall fifty feet long that had been used for sweeping down the wall a view from the top of the ladder would give us a correct idea of the outside but the difficulty was to get that view without exciting suspicion fortunately the warden came in while we were discussing the great strength and activity of captain samuel b taylor who was very small of stature when it was suggested that taylor could go hand over hand on the underside of the ladder to the top and with a moment's rest return in the same way to the warden this seemed impossible and to convince him taylor was permitted to make the trial which he did successfully at the top of the ladder he rested for a minute and took a mental photograph of the wall when the warden had left taylor communicated the fact that directly south of and at almost right angles from the east end of the block in which we were confined there was a double gate to the outer wall the inside one being of wooden uprights four inches apart and the outside one as solid as the wall the wooden gate being supported by the wing wall of the female department which joined to the main outer wall on the evening of the twenty seventh of november the cloudy weather so anxiously awaited for came and prior to being locked in our cells it was agreed to make the attempt at escape that night cell number twenty one next to my cell number twenty on the first range was occupied by colonel r c morgan a brother of general morgan 
that cell had been prepared for general morgan by opening a hole to the chamber and when the hour for locking up came general morgan stepped into cell twenty one and colonel morgan into general morgan's cell in the second range the guard did not discover the exchange as general morgan and colonel morgan were of about the same physical proportions and each stood with his back to the cell door when it was being locked at intervals of two hours every night beginning at eight the guards came around to each cell and passed a light through the grating to see that all was well with the prisoners the approach of the guard was often so stealthily made that a knowledge of his presence was first had by seeing him at the door of the cell to avoid a surprise of this kind we sprinkled fine coal along in front of the cells walking upon which would give us warning by a singular coincidence that might have been a fatality on the day we had determined upon for the escape general morgan received a letter from lexington kentucky begging and warning him not to attempt to escape and by the same mail i received a letter from a member of my family saying that it was rumored and generally believed at home that i had escaped fortunately these letters did not put the officials on their guard we ascertained from the paper we had procured that a train left for cincinnati at one fifteen a m and as the regular time for the guard to make his round of the cells was twelve o'clock we arranged to descend to the chamber immediately thereafter captain taylor was to descend first and passing under each cell notify the others general morgan had been permitted to keep his watch and this he gave to taylor that he might not mistake the time to go at the appointed hour taylor gave the signal each of us arranged his cot with the seat in his cell so as to represent a sleeping prisoner and easily breaking the thin layer of cement descended to the chamber passed through the tunnel breaking through the thin stratum of earth at the end we came out near the wall of the female prison it was raining slightly crawled by the side of the wall to the wooden gate cast our grappling iron attached to the rope over the gate made it fast ascended the rope to the top of the gate drew up the rope and made our way by the wing wall to the outside wall where we entered a sentry box and divested ourselves of our soiled outer garments in the daytime sentinels were placed on this wall but at night they were on the inside of the walls and at the main entrance to the prison on the top of the wall we found a cord running along the outer edge and connecting it with a bell in the office of the prison this cord general morgan cut with one of the knives we had used in tunneling before leaving my cell i wrote and left addressed to n marion the warden the following castle marion cell number twenty november twenty seventh eighteen sixty three commencement november four eighteen sixty three conclusion november twenty four eighteen sixty three number of hours for labor per day five tools two small knives la patience est amère mais sans fruit est doux by order of my six honorable confederates thomas h hines captain c s a having removed all trace of soil from our clothes and persons we attached the iron hook to the railing on the outer edge of the wall and descended to the ground within sixty yards of where the prison guards were sitting round the fire and conversing 
here we separated general morgan and myself going to the depot about a quarter of a mile from the prison where i purchased two tickets for cincinnati and entered the car that just then came in general morgan took a seat beside a federal major in uniform and i sat immediately in their rear the general entered into conversation with the major who was made the more talkative by a copious drink of my french brandy as the train passed near the prison wall where we had descended the major remarked there is where the rebel general morgan and his officers are put for safe keeping the general replied i hope they will keep him as safe as he is now our train passed through dayton ohio and there for some unknown reason we were delayed an hour this rendered it extra hazardous to go to the depot in the city of cincinnati since by that time the prison officials would in all probability know of our escape and telegraph to intercept us in fact they did telegraph in every direction and offered a reward for our recapture instead then of going to the depot in cincinnati we got off while the train was moving slowly in the outskirts of the city near ludlow ferry on the ohio river going directly to the ferry we were crossed over in a skiff and landed immediately in front of the residence of mrs ludlow we rang the doorbell a servant came and general morgan wrote upon a visiting card general morgan and captain hines escaped we were warmly received took a cup of coffee with the family were furnished a guide and walked some three miles in the country where we were furnished horses thence we went through florence to union in boone county kentucky where we took supper with daniel piatt on making ourselves known to mr piatt who had two sons in our command we were treated with the utmost cordial hospitality and kindness by the entire family we there met dr john j dulaney of florence kentucky who was of great benefit in giving us information as to the best route that night we went to mr corbin's near union who also had gallant sons in our command where we remained concealed until the next night and where friends supplied us with fresh horses and a pair of pistols each on the evening of the twenty ninth of november we left union with a voluntary guide passed through the eastern edge of gallatin county and after traveling all night spent the day of the thirtieth at the house of a friend on the owen county line passing through new liberty in owen county and crossing the kentucky river at the ferry on the road to newcastle in henry county we stopped at the house of mr pollard at two a m december one our guide did not know the people nor the roads farther than the ferry at which point he turned back not knowing the politics of mr pollard it was necessary to proceed with caution on reaching his house we aroused him and made known our desire to spend the remainder of the night with him he admitted us and took us into the family room where there was a lamp dimly burning on a centre table on the light being turned up i discovered a cincinnati inquirer with large displayed headlines announcing the escape of general morgan captain hines and five other officers from the ohio penitentiary the fact that this newspaper was taken by mr pollard was to me sufficient evidence that he was a southern sympathizer glancing at the paper i looked up and remarked i see that general morgan hines and other officers have escaped from the penitentiary 
he responded yes and you are captain hines are you not i replied yes and what is your name pollard he answered allow me then to introduce general morgan i found that i had not made a mistake after rest and a late breakfast and a discussion of the situation it was deemed inexpedient to remain during the day as the house was immediately on a public highway besides the danger of such unexplained delay exciting the suspicion of the negroes in the place we assumed the character of cattle buyers mr pollard furnishing us with cattle whips to make the assumption plausible our first objective point was the residence of judge w s pryor in the outskirts of newcastle after dinner judge pryor rode with us some distance and put us in charge of a guide who conducted us that night to major helms near shelbyville where we remained during the day of the second and were there joined by four of our command in citizens dress that night we passed through taylorsville and stopped on the morning of the third near bardstown the night of the fourth we resumed our journey and stopped on the morning of the fifth at mr mccormick's at rolling fork creek in nelson county thence through taylor green passing near greensburg adair and cumberland counties crossing cumberland river some nine miles below burkesville we crossed the cumberland which was quite high by swimming our horses by the side of a canoe near the place of crossing on the south side we stopped overnight with a private in colonel r t jacobs federal cavalry passing ourselves as citizens on the lookout for stolen horses next morning in approaching the road from burkesville to sparta tennessee we came out of a byway immediately in the rear of and some hundred yards from a dwelling fronting on the burkesville sparta road and screening us from view on the burkesville end as we emerged from the woodland a woman appeared at the back door of the dwelling and motioned us back we withdrew from view but kept in sight of the door from which the signal to retire was given when after a few minutes the woman again appeared and signaled us to come forward she informed us that a body of federal cavalry had just passed going in the direction of burkesville and that the officer in command informed her that he was trying to intercept general morgan we followed the burkesville road something like a mile and in sight of the rear guard we crossed obey's river near the mouth of wolf and halted for two days in the hills of overton county where we came upon forty of our men who had been separated from the force on the expedition into indiana and ohio these men were placed under my command and thence we moved directly toward the tennessee river striking it about fifteen miles below kingston at bridges ferry december thirteen there was no boat to be used in crossing and the river was very high and angry and about one hundred and fifty yards wide we obtained an axe from a house nearby and proceeded to split logs and make a raft on which to cross and by which to swim our horses we had learned that two miles and a half below us was a federal cavalry camp this stimulated us to the utmost but notwithstanding our greatest efforts we were three hours in crossing over five horses and twenty-five men at this juncture the enemy appeared opposite and began to fire on our men 
here general morgan gave characteristic evidence of devotion to his men when the firing began he insisted on staying with the dismounted men and taking their chances and was dissuaded only by my earnest appeal and representation that such a course would endanger the men as well as ourselves the men by scattering in the mountains did ultimately make their way to the confederacy general morgan myself and the four mounted men crossed over a spur of the mountains and descended by a bridle path to a ravine or gulch upon the opposite side and halted in some thick underbrush about ten steps from a path passing along the ravine not knowing the country it was necessary to have information or a guide and observing a log cabin about a hundred yards up the ravine i rode there to get directions leaving general morgan and the others on their horses near the path i found at the house a woman and some children she could not direct me over the other spur of the mountain but consented that her ten-year-old son might go with me and show the way he mounted behind me, and by the time he was seated, I heard the clatter of hoofs down the ravine, and looking, I saw a body of about seventy-five cavalry coming directly toward me, and passing within ten steps of where the general and his men were sitting on their horses. I saw that my own escape was doubtful, and that any halt or delay of the cavalry would certainly result in the discovery and capture of General Morgan." I lifted the boy from behind me and dashed to the head of the column, exclaiming, Hurry up, Major, or the rebels will escape. He responded, Who are you? I answered, I belong to the Home Guard Company in the bend. Hurry, or they are gone. We dashed on, I riding by the Major at the head of the column about half a mile, when we came to where a dry branch crossed the road, and as it had been raining that day, it was easily seen from the soil that had washed down from the side of the mountain that no one had passed there since the rain. Seeing this, the command was halted, and the Major again demanded to know who I was. I replied that I was a member of General Morgan's command. Yes, blank you, you have led me off from Morgan. I have a notion to hang you for it no that was not general morgan i have served under him two years and know him well and have no object in deceiving you for if it was morgan he is now safe you lie for he was recognized at the house where you got the axe i would not have missed getting him for ten thousand dollars it would have been a brigadier's commission to me i will hang you for it up to this time i had taken the situation smilingly and pleasantly because i did not apprehend violence but the officer, livid with rage from disappointment, directed one of his men to take the halter from his horse and hang me to a designated limb of a tree. The halter was adjusted around my neck and thrown over the limb. Seeing that the officer was desperately in earnest, I said, Major, before you perform this operation, allow me to make a suggestion. Ah, be quick about it, then suppose that was general morgan as you insist and i have led you astray as you insist wouldn't i being a member of his command deserve to be hung if i had not done what you charge me with he dropped his head for a moment looked up with a more pleasant expression and said boys he's right let him alone i was placed under guard of two soldiers and sent across the river to camp while the officer in command took his men over the mountain in search of general morgan who succeeded in making good his escape the next evening the major returned with his command from his unsuccessful pursuit 
he questioned me closely wanting to know my name and if i was a private in the command as i had stated to him at the time of my capture remembering that in prison the underclothing of captain bullet had been exchanged for mine and that i then had on his with his name in ink i assumed the name of bullet on the evening of the second day in this camp the major invited me to go with him and take supper at the house of a unionist half a mile away we spent the evening with the family until nine o'clock when the major suggested that we should go back to camp on reaching the front gate twenty steps from the front veranda he found that he had left his shawl in the house and returned to get it requesting me to await his return a young lady of the family was standing in the door and when he went in to get the shawl she closed the door i was then perfectly free but i could not get my consent to go for a moment of time while thus at liberty i suffered intensely in the effort to determine what was the proper thing to do upon the one hand was the tempting offer of freedom that was very sweet to me after so many months of close confinement while on the other hand was the fact that the officer had treated me with great kindness more as a comrade than as a prisoner that the acceptance of his hospitality was a tacit parole and my escape would involve him in trouble i remained until his return he was greatly agitated evidently realizing for the first time the extent of his indiscretion and surprised undoubtedly at finding me quietly awaiting him i had determined not to return to prison but rather than break faith i awaited some other occasion for escape notwithstanding all this something excited suspicion of me for the next morning while lying in the tent apparently asleep i heard the officer direct the sergeant to detail ten men and guard me to kingston and he said to the sergeant put him on the meanest horse you have and be watchful or he will escape i was taken to kingston and placed in jail and there met three of our party who had been captured on the north side of the tennessee river at the time we attempted to cross they were r c church william church and blank smith after two days confinement there we were sent under guard of twelve soldiers to the camp of the third kentucky federal infantry under command of colonel henry c dunlap the camp was opposite the town of loudon and was prepared for winter quarters the large forest trees had been felled for a quarter of a mile around the camp and log huts built in regular lines for the occupation of the troops we were placed in one of these huts with three guards on the inside while the guards who delivered us there were located around a campfire some ten steps in front of the only door to our hut and around the whole encampment was the regular camp guard the next day as we had learned we were to be sent to knoxville tennessee which was then general burnside's headquarters and as i knew i would there be recognized and on account of my previous escape that my chances for freedom would be reduced to a minimum we determined to escape that night it was perfectly clear the moon about full making the camp almost as light as day and as the moon did not go down until a short time before daylight we concluded to await its setting the door of the cabin was fastened by a latch on the inside the night was cold we had only pretended to sleep awaiting our opportunity when the moon was down we arose one after another from our couches and went to the fire to warm us 
we engaged the guards in pleasant conversation detailing incidents of the war i stood with my right next the door facing the fire and the three guards and my comrades standing immediately on my left while narrating some incident in which the guards were absorbed i placed my right hand upon the latch of the door with a signal to the other prisoners and without breaking the thread of the narrative bade the guards good night threw the door open ran through the guards in front of the door passed the sentinel at the camp limits and followed the road we had been brought in to the mountains the guards in front of the door fired upon me as did the sentinel on his beat the last shot being so close to me that i felt the fire from the gun unfortunately and unwittingly i threw the door open with such force that it rebounded and caught my comrades on the inside the guards assaulted them and attempted to bayonet them but they grappled overpowered and disarmed the guards and made terms with them before they would let them up all three of these prisoners by great daring escaped before they were taken north to prison in running from the camp to the mountains i passed two sentinel fires and was pursued some distance at the point of the bayonet of the soldier who had last fired at me all was hurry and confusion in the camp the horses were bridled saddled and mounted and rapidly ridden out on the road i had taken but by the time the pursuers reached the timber i was high up the mountain side and complacently watched them as they hurried by as i ran from my prison house i fixed my eye upon venus the morning star as my guide and travelled until daylight when i reached the summit of the mountain where i found a sedge-grass field of about twenty acres in the middle of which i lay down on the frozen ground and remained until the sun had gone down and darkness was gathering during the day the soldiers in search of me frequently passed within thirty steps so close that i could hear their conjectures as to where i was most likely to be found i remained so long in one position that i thawed into the frozen earth but the cool of the evening coming on the soil around me froze again and i had some difficulty in releasing myself as it grew dark i descended the mountain and cautiously approached a humble dwelling seeing no one but a woman and some children i entered and asked for supper while my supper was being prepared no little to my disappointment the husband a strapping manly-looking fellow with his rifle on his shoulder walked in i had already assumed a character and that was as agent to purchase horses for the federal government i had come down that evening on the train from knoxville and was anxious to get a canoe and someone to paddle me down to kingston where i had an engagement for the next day to meet some gentlemen who were to have horses there by agreement with me for sale could the gentleman tell me where i could get a canoe and someone to go with me he said the rebels were so annoying that all boats and canoes had been destroyed to keep them from crossing he knew of but one canoe owned by a good union man some two miles down the river would he be kind enough to show me the way there that i might get an early start and keep my engagement after supper my hospitable entertainer walked with me to the residence of the owner of the canoe the family had retired and when the owner of the premises came out there came with him a federal soldier who was staying overnight with him this was not encouraging after making my business known and offering large compensation the owner of the canoe agreed to start with me by daylight 
during my walk down there my guide had mentioned that a certain person living opposite the place where the canoe was owned had several horses that he would like to sell i suggested that in order to save time and get as early a start as possible for kingston the canoe owner should take me over to see to the purchase of these horses that night the river was high and dangerous to cross at night but by promises of compensation i was taken over and landed some quarter of a mile from the house with an injunction to await me when the canoe landed i started toward the house but when out of sight i changed my course and took to the mountains for eight days i travelled by night taking my course by the stars lying up in the mountains by day and getting food early in the evening wherever i could find a place where there were no men on the twenty seventh of december i reached the confederate lines near dalton georgia End of section nine.